0: Amen. Well, good morning, New Life, once again. uh, Welcome to Church Online. If you're uh, joining us online and not in the building, obviously, um, you might have had ample opportunity, actually, to sing out together um, with whoever you're around at home or perhaps you're by yourself. And um, I've noticed that when I tune in online, it doesn't sound quite as good as it does in person. Uh, I, I think our praise team sounds really fantastic in person. But then online, it sounds a little bit tinny. Uh, Maybe it's the quality of my headphones or the speakers that I'm listening to. Um, But hopefully you are able to fill out the voices uh, with your own voice and with the voices of your family around you um, if you were singing out together. Now, I don't think any of us were expecting for church to look this way uh, last week as we were gearing towards WinterCon. We were all really excited about WinterCon as we mentioned at the top of service. Um, although our presider John did say that there will be no in-person service uh, in the church building today, which ended up being correct. Um, well, why don't we go straight into our scripture reading for today? And the scripture reading for today f- comes from 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 to 26. Now I'll be reading from the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible. 1 Corinthians 15, 12 to 26. If you're online, uh, you should be able to see that on screen in front of you if you don't have your Bible handy. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 to 26. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say, there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain, and so is your faith. Moreover, we are found to be false witnesses about God because we have testified wrongly about God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You're still in your sins. Those then who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. If we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. But as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ... All will be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ, the firstfruits, afterward at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, when he abolishes all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign until he puts all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be abolished is death. Amen. Today, uh, the title of the sermon is Seeing with Blurry Eyes. You should see that on screen in front of you as well. And we'll be taking part in a lament service. Um, We've had to pivot pretty hard to get to this point. We're going to be talking about treasuring Christ all weekend. um, But with the changing restrictions, as you've been seeing on the news, uh, we are here in Sydney uh, in our homes or perhaps uh, just streaming here. And so we'll be taking part in a lament service. Um, This might seem unusual if you've never taken part in one before, if you've never lamented before. Perhaps it's the first time you're even hearing that word. Uh, But I encourage you to be fully present and to take part as lament is a very healthy part of the Christian life. Now as we'll be lamenting together, it's a good idea to define what lamenting even is. So to lament is to express grief, regret, or sorrow. And we lament in a whole bunch of different situations. Uh, we might lament when our hearts are hurt, and we see many examples of this uh, in the book of Psalms. We might also lament when we feel helpless in times of need. This might be uh, where we're at today, when we feel really helpless uh, when it comes to the coronavirus pandemic. We might also lament as well, over our sins as we repent um, as. The Holy Spirit moves our hearts, as the Holy Spirit breaks our hearts for what breaks His, we might see the grievousness of our sin, and we might lament. So we express grief, regret, or sorrow towards God as we lament. That's what we'll be focusing on today. One of the most common times that we lament is when we grieve. Grief looks different in a lot of different people, but one thing we have in common is that we all grieve in one way or another. We all grieve in one way or another. Now, two of the most common ways that we grieve, so see if this reminds you of yourself here. In our culture, two of the most common ways that we grieve, number one, we paper over the cracks of our hearts, tell everyone and ourselves, I'm okay, it's okay, I'm fine. We bottle things up, we crack jokes, we deflect, instead of actually engaging with our grief. And so we never end up actually lamenting. As you can imagine, this only goes so far until we either break down at some point or we alienate everyone around us with our lack of emotional engagement. So this might actually play out like, in our faith, we might connect with God only in the triumphal parts. See if this, you know, rings true in your heart, the victory and the joy, shutting ourselves off from things like confession and repentance. We might wonder, what's the point of doing those things now? We have victory, we have joy. We might not really have true acknowledgement of sin, if that's the case. The other most common way that we grieve in our culture is that we fall into this deep pit of despair for far too long, and so we don't stop lamenting. We refuse to be comforted. We don't bother with the joy of the Lord. We rarely engage in singing out praise to Him. We respond to people and their prayers with hopelessness. We don't allow ourselves to truly lament and to truly be comforted by the Lord. But before we're part of the culture, before we're Australian, Korean, anything, first of all, we are followers of Christ. Grief is common to all of humanity, and this includes our God, Jesus, the one who is most truly human, alongside being truly God. He is the most truly human one. And he was grieved to the point of weeping at the death of his friend, Lazarus. And he lamented, as well, in the Garden of Gethsemane as he faced the cross. So as followers of the Lord Jesus, it's important that we know how to grieve well rather than tending towards one of those two extremes. And a big part of grieving well is in lamenting together by expressing our grief together as a family of faith. So if you joined us during pre-service prayer, we looked at this passage from Ecclesiastes together where the teacher muses about time and I'll just put up a short snippet here. Ecclesiastes three, verse four, reads this. A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. The teacher of Ecclesiastes is pointing out that in life, just as there is a time for laughter, there is a time for weeping as well. Engage with that side today. Grief will find us at some point in our lives, and it's good for us to face it by lamenting, by turning to God as we express our grief together. If you've felt this feeling before of grief, or if you're feeling it now, as you think about the things that you might be missing, as you think about coronavirus, whatever it might be, then know that you're not alone. Reading through Psalms, you might come across some that seem particularly bleak, like Psalm 88. Psalm 88, there's a couple of uh, verses throughout the Psalm that I'll read out to you here. Lord God of my salvation, I cry out before you day and night. May my prayer reach your presence. Listen to my cry. My eyes are worn out from crying. Lord, I cry out to you all day long. I spread out my hands to you. The psalmist cries out before the Lord day and night, feeling abandoned and alone, eyes worn out from crying. And at the end of the psalm, it doesn't feel like there's a happy ending. It doesn't feel as though he recognizes that the Lord has restored him. It's not as though he's brought to the end of it and he says, okay, all good now, but he continues and then it ends just like that. There's actually an expectation instead that the Lord will answer when we bring these things to the table before him. When we face these kinds of feelings in our lives, we can turn to the Bible and see Psalms like this, Psalm 88, and see that someone else had had feelings like these, like ours, before too. Other people throughout history, as recorded in the Bible, have had the same feelings that we do when it comes to grief. And not only this, but God knows these feelings. And with utmost care, these feelings are recorded in our Bibles, reminding us hey, we're not so strange for feeling this way. It's okay for us to feel this way. And it's okay for us to bring it before God. And in fact, God sees us and hears us even when we might not feel it, like the psalmist in Psalm 88. He sees and hears us to the point that is here in our Bibles now that we can read. And therefore, we're not alone. We receive this reminder in the Bible where we read that others have had these feelings of grief but we also receive this reminder by the family of faith that we're a part of here at New Life. And the wider Sezum community as well. The church that we at New Life are united to, the church that we're a part of here at Sezum, their care for us extends to the point where they were praying for WinterCon, they were planning on, uh, uh, their intercessory prayer team were planning on coming up and blessing us with a bunch of snacks, praying for us, And they continued praying for us every dawn prayer meeting, even up until Friday, two days after WinterCon had already been canceled. Knowing the disappointment that we faced, they continued to pray for us. And they're devastated on our behalf. They want for the Lord to bind up our sadness. They still think upon us. And God has made us a part of community as a good gift that we might be able to navigate these times of grief together by lamenting with one another and by carrying one another's burdens. Famed Christian writer, C.S. Lewis, he wrote of grief, you can't see anything properly while your eyes are blurred with tears. You can't see anything properly while your eyes are blurred with tears. See, in those times when we can't see clearly, when we can't perceive God's heart, our community can be that clarity for us we can be clarity for one another. As we hear from people around us that God cares for us and will care for us through our times of grief, it helps us to believe it for ourselves. If I'm not feeling it, if I'm feeling grief in my heart and if I feel like God is far away and one of you reminds me, no, God cares for you and he'll continue to care for you through these times and you continue to tell me this it helps me to believe it. One of the things that we hold in common here at New Life is that we're all going through this pandemic together. We're all located here in Sydney, and this has resulted in different things for different people. You know, if you're part of a smaller family, you might feel a little bit more disconnected. If you're a more social person, you might be feeling a little bit more uh, powerfully than those of us who are not as social but there is pain that arises in each individual situation. Think now about those things. Think about those things that have made you feel sad or have hurt you in some way or have made you grieve during this time. Perhaps it's the loss of time spent together with loved ones near or far. Maybe you have loved ones overseas that you haven't seen in a little while. Maybe, the second year of missing WinterCon in a row is hitting you especially hard today. Or perhaps you're just feeling really overwhelmed with the stress of coronavirus. Whatever the source of your grief, whether you feel it's big or small, let's bring it before God together today. We can cast all of our anxieties upon him because he cares for us. And we can do this together now, even separated by some distance, as we are. By his Holy Spirit, we're doing this together. Now, I can't possibly in one message, in a short period, cover the entirety of all of the aspects of grief. So I'll be focusing on what's most common to our community at this point, and that's the cancellation of WinterCon and the loss of communal life that most of our most of us are feeling at this time of lockdown. Because nearly 180 of us were scheduled to be away over this weekend at WinterCon this week, and because all of us are now under lockdown, it feels a little bit like the grief that we feel in the face of the death of something that we desired. Not quite the same as the death of a loved one, but the death of something that we desired. Now, if this isn't something, I acknowledge that some of us haven't signed up for WinterCon, and so this might not be something that you find as relevant. And so if this isn't something that you find your heart grieving over, that's okay, stay with us. Substitute whatever your source of grief is here, because this is just one end of the spectrum of grief. But first, can we cover some theological thoughts about death in general here on Earth? Okay, so as we talk about the death of some of those things that we desired, our ways of life or whatever, can we actually talk about just theological thoughts on death? So as I mentioned before, Lewis talks about how difficult it is to see clearly when we're wracked with grief. So it's imperative that we look to build a strong foundation on the truth of Scripture before we go any further. So keep your Bibles open to 1 Corinthians 15. The first couple of verses there read this. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, How can some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain, and so is your faith. So here in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth about our resurrection in the days to come, and the hope that we have in the resurrection of our bodies because of Jesus. And at this time, a handful of people had come to doubt the resurrection of the body. This might feel a little bit disconnected for you. Maybe you haven't thought too much about the resurrection of the body, but don't we at times express this very sentiment through the way that we respond to death of any kind? Like, if you've had the sadness of the death of a loved one, then you might have faced this, and you might have expressed your grief in different ways. Perhaps you didn't really engage with it. But death of any kind, we tend to express this. Sometimes we're so unwilling to face the reality of grief in our lives that we'll shut our emotions up inside of us and avoid them altogether because we have no practical belief in the resurrection to come. And then the opposite end of this extreme is that we live in our grief for the rest of our lives rather than for a season. And we allow it to dictate our thoughts and our hearts rather than Jesus' resurrection. We have hope though when we return to the truth that we've been told about death and resurrection return to the basis of your hope today. We have faith in knowing that we have been freed from sin because of Jesus' death for us. So how do we know that Jesus' substitution on the cross for our sake was accepted by God the Father? Well, because God the Father raised him from the dead. That's how we know that he accepted Verses 15 to 18 read this. Moreover, we are found to be false witnesses about God because we have testified wrongly about God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You're still in your sins. Those then who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished If Christ has not been raised, our faith is worthless and we are the most pitiable people on the planet. But the resurrection is the very basis of our faith, brothers and sisters. Nothing in our following Jesus makes any sense apart from his death and his resurrection. At the foundational level, faith in Jesus requires that resurrection is weaved into the DNA of our very being. We need resurrection in our hearts. Otherwise, we have no faith in Jesus. So logically, it follows that if we know and believe this, then we know that the dead are raised. And in this, we have hope of life eternal in Jesus Christ, and we're able to face death of any kind. I acknowledge, if you don't know this as truth yet, or if, let's say, you have not yet believed in Jesus, and this may explain your grief to you. This may explain why you have so much grief when you face death. And we'd love to talk to you about Jesus after the service. If you scan the QR code we'll have up for the newcomers, someone will get in contact with you and we can talk to you about that. However, if you consider yourself to be a follower of Jesus today, and yet at the same time you cannot believe in the hope of resurrection that we hold, you must recognize this morning that this is a denial of Christ's resurrection and our common faith then is no longer common. In fact, we would cease to exist, Paul tells us, as believers altogether, because without Christ's death and resurrection, there is no forgiveness of sins. But since Christ is raised from the dead, If you can believe this, there are two things set in motion which are irreversible, which you cannot stop. Praise God, we cannot stop. Number one, the resurrection of all in Christ. And number two, the final destruction of death itself in the new creation. First, the resurrection of all who are in Christ. Read with me verses 19 to 22. If we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. But as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. Our God is a generous, gracious God. He could forgive our sins, leave us to live our lives out here on earth for the few decades or maybe a century that most of us will have to enjoy, and then we could just disappear. Can you imagine if that's all that God wanted for us? Just disappear into the ground and cease to exist. But instead, Not only does he forgive us, but he remains with us. He calls us to him so that we can remain with him in community for all of eternity so that we don't face that existential crisis of what if we cease to exist, but we exist in perpetuity with him for all of eternity. Jesus' resurrection was the first of its kind, just as Adam's sin and death were the first that set in motion all the consequences that we live with today. And now, we live in the hope that all in Christ will be made alive. That we might not just enjoy our lives here on earth, but we might enjoy God forever. Those sweet moments when you were able to connect with God, that first love experience that so many of us talk about. When we talk about God, when we talk about first believing in Him, we can enjoy God forever. The second thing that Christ has said in motion that is irreversible is the final destruction of death itself. Read with me, verses 23 to 26. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward at His coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, when he abolishes all rule and all authority and power, for he must reign until he puts all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be abolished is death. Very often, our source of grief in this life is death. The death of family, the death of friends. Perhaps if you haven't experienced that before, maybe even the death of people that we don't personally know but we admire from afar. This extends to the death of the way of life that we've gotten used to. The death of particular plans that we had made for ourselves. I know, with holidays here, a lot of the teachers that we have here are mourning the death of their time away. And for all of us, we're mourning the death of the plans that we had for WinterCon. Maybe it's this grief that causes us to be awed and fearful of the power of death. That something can change our disposition so completely. That something can turn our eyes away from Jesus so completely Maybe that's what causes us to be so fearful of death. After all, what greater fear is there in this life than death? What greater unknown than what lies on the other side for those that struggle with faith in the resurrection? But this passage reminds us that the power of death is temporary. It will not last meditating on this passage can solidify this point for us and help shape our faith and direct our lament back to God. Some of you guys know that I like poetry. I like meditating on certain words as a, a way to reflect. Um, there was an old English poet, an Anglican minister in the 1600s named John Donne. He suffered from a major illness he faced the possibility of dying, and in fact, he experienced so much death in his life, in his family and around him. If you just read his, his biography, it's just, I mean, it's sad, you know? You can see why someone would grieve if he faced that much death. In the midst of all of this, as he's going through facing the possibility of dying himself, as he faces major illness, he wrote this poem where he speaks directly to death. It's Holy Son at 10. I'll, if you'll indulge me, I'll read this out to you. Now keep in mind that this poem is from the 1600s, so the language is Old English. Try to listen closely as I read this poem to you. Um, it also be on screen so you can follow along. If you're not familiar with Old English, things like thou mean you, thee means yours. But follow along with me. The poem reads this. Death, be not proud, though some have called thee mighty and dreadful, for thou art not so. For those whom thou thinkest thou dost overthrow, die not, poor death, nor yet canst thou kill me. From rest and sleep, which but thy pictures be, much pleasure, Then from thee much more must flow, and soonest our best men with thee do go. Rolls delivery. Thou art slave to fate, chance, kings, and desperate men, and dost with poison, war, and sickness dwell, and poppy or charms can make us sleep as well, and better than thy stroke. Why swellest thou then? One short sleep past, we wake eternally, and death shall be no more, thou shalt die. Hopefully you were able to get the message of the poem. I'm kind of looking around the people that are here today. Their eyes tell me no. (laughs) Um, The important thing John Donne, as he goes through line by line, he demystifies death. He breaks it down by showing just how weak death really is. He compares it to sleep, the cousin of death. He compares it by talking about how sleep actually gives us rest, how sleep comes even easier when we use certain things and it's better than death. But the line that we're most concerned with is that final one. And death shall be no more. Death, thou shalt die. When we've felt the sting of death taking something away from us, when we've experienced the death of our way of life, maybe you've wanted to say something like this to death before but you didn't feel strong enough. After all, death has taken someone or something very important away from you. How can you be audacious enough to say this? But this is a direct reference to our passage today, particularly in verse 26. The last enemy to be abolished is death. And when we face the specter of death in our lives, we can turn back to the truth that God has given us in Scripture that Jesus has won and the final enemy death has been defeated and will one day be abolished completely. Death, thou shalt die. If you've been with us here at New Life for a little while, this isn't an unfamiliar idea to you. Back in April, we looked together at what the Bible has to say about the New Jerusalem and what life will look like with no more death with the new heavens and the new earth and the renewal of all things we see the city we'll live in where there's no more death. Death has been abolished. There'll be no more loss of community as well but instead perfect unity with one another as God lives in our midst. We as a church we're supposed to be a glimpse into the certain future that we'll enjoy. When we come together For community, I've talked about this before when we have taken communion together, right? When we come together for community, it's a glimpse into the future that we'll enjoy in the New Jerusalem. But perhaps, just as we don't see clearly when our eyes are blurred with tears, our present-day church is not the most perfect picture of this future either. We're still subject to changes here on earth, as we've experienced over this last week. And as we're going through now, we're still subject to the grief that we're going through now. Although we look forward to the day when there will be no more tears, what I know is that day is not today. There's still those that are wracked with grief. Now don't get me wrong, I don't want to go too far in the other direction as is you know, my leaning, praise God for the salvation that we have in the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. We have that truth. It's evident in us. It's evident in the changes that you've witnessed in your lives and the lives of those around you. But we have to recognize that a compassionless truth is a loveless truth, which is no truth at all. If someone grieves, grieve with them. Weep with those that weep. Mourn with those that mourn. Don't just tell them, cheer up. Don't just try to rush them along. Don't try to stamp out their grief with your truth. But have compassion upon them, just as Jesus does for you. There's still grief and suffering here on earth, and you might be experiencing it now. These things are important for us to remind ourselves with, but it's equally important for us to have others around us to remind us when we can't remind ourselves. Remember, as Lewis said, you can't see anything properly while your eyes are blurred with tears. Thankfully, we're part of this incredible family of faith here at New Life. And this family has been through a lot since before I was here in my capacity as pastor, and before some of you were here at New Life as well. Many of you experienced the pain of saying goodbye last year to brothers and sisters that you worshiped alongside. There were these tall trees of faith that led the way here at New Life for years, and yet they were uprooted and planted elsewhere for the sake of the gospel. And if this hurt, maybe it's time to acknowledge it and bring the grief to the table before God and talk to him about it. And to talk to your brothers and sisters here about it as well. In the midst of this though, as we experience the death of many things here on earth, and we anticipate through our grief the day when this stuff won't happen anymore, when our faith will be sight, don't miss the restorative work that our God is currently doing in our midst as well. Just as the Father raised up Jesus, there's resurrection work that the Lord is doing here at New Life. We're starting to actually see the beginnings of new life sprouting in the soil where the trees of faith once were. And although we tearfully said goodbye to them, and the culture that they cultivated here at New Life we're beginning to see the creation of new culture here now as well. The tears that were sowed into the soil are making way for the beginnings of great unity within Sezun. We're seeing discipleship towards the next generation at PG. We're seeing deepening bonds of fellowship within our people here at New Life as well. So what about the grief that we feel towards what we're going through now? What about the loss of WinterCon for the second year? What about the loss of community and the way we're used to doing life while we're in lockdown? Can you imagine what will grow from the tears that we sow here now as we turn our faces towards God and seek Him to do a restorative work here at New Life? Surely, if He's taken us here, He has something greater in mind when it comes to community building, when it comes to building a family here at New Life. And he seeks you, his sons and daughters, to do that together with them. He entrusts in you to reach out to brothers and sisters. Now hopefully, this gives meaning to your grief. It's not meant to speed up the process of grieving. It's not meant to snap you out of it Instead, it's meant to give shape to the formlessness that grief can sometimes have. Sometimes it can feel formless and void. And we must grieve together. Already I miss being in the same room together with you. I miss being able to share in face-to-face conversations with you. We miss being able to sing praises together and pray for one another in person. Praise team always looks a little bit more somber when there's no one else singing. One way we can grieve together and we can deepen our bonds of fellowship is through talking with one another and praying for each other. And although we can't do this in person right now, I'm asking you today, at the conclusion of our service, after our benediction, give someone a call. Talk to them. Ask them how they're doing. Let them know how you're doing and pray together. And if you're struggling to think of someone to call, perhaps you're new, or perhaps you haven't deepened those levels of friendship yet, maybe this is the perfect opportunity to, or otherwise you can scan the QR code for the newcomer's form at the end of the announcement time, and in the final comment section, write, I would like someone to call me. And then we'll have someone reach out to you. And please be patient with us as we do this. If there's a lot of people, there's a limited number of us, but we will do that. And if you call someone yourself, and they don't pick up or whatever it might be, or they have no idea what you're talking about because they're tuning into the live stream later, be patient with them as well. Call them back, whatever you might need. Meet them where they're at in their grief. But for now, as we pray together, Let's turn our praises, or perhaps actually, let's turn our laments back to God. Let's give our grief to him, and let's pray together. to turn our grief to you in our homes. But we ask, Lord, together that you would help us to grieve well, that you would help us, Lord, to lament before you to talk to our good, loving Father about the hurts that are in our hearts. Indeed, many of us have grief that hasn't been taken care of. And so you lovingly call us to you, to your side, that we might tell you all about it. you wait for us to finish all of our sentences through our lack of prayerfulness, through our struggles to word things, through our ugly crying, if it's that. You're patient and you're kind and you listen to every word and you know the the words that are upon our hearts before we even verbalize them, before our minds can even form them. Help us, Lord, to believe in this. As we come to you, help us, Lord, to pray these things out. As your son, as your daughter, help us to say these things before you that we might be able to grieve fully and that we might receive your comfort fully. How good it is, Lord, that you've called us into our homes in ways that we didn't expect. But what a continuation of the message that you had for us last week. To pray in the quiet of our rooms by ourselves that we wouldn't be doing it out of performance for one another, but that we would do it solely for the reward that's you. So today, I lift up my brothers and sisters here at New Life and I ask that you would help us to pray. Help us, Lord, if this is our first prayer ever, if this is our first prayer in a long time, help us, Lord, we feel that we're really good at prayer help us Lord to be honest before you to lay our hearts bare to not just use rehearsed words but to use words that might be unfamiliar in prayer and yet familiar with our hearts let us talk to you as a child to his father asking for comfort Asking for you to tell us that it's okay. And from there, would you comfort us by reminding us that you resurrect, that you raise up, that you give new life greater than anything we could ever imagine.
1: As this truth transforms our
0: hearts Help us, Lord, to be that faith for one another. For those of our brothers and sisters who are struggling to believe, for those of our brothers and sisters that you've called on us to sharpen as iron sharpens iron, for those that you've called us into accountability with, for our church family here, help us to walk together in this, to grieve together, to lament together, to be comforted together, to comfort one another together. So help us, Lord, as we praise your name now. In Jesus' name, amen.